guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy. Exactly why we do Dubai Works, to find entrepreneurs like Sanjay who built business stories that have been behind the scenes building their businesses, in this case for a couple of decades. It's got everything. It's got hotel management background, restaurant turnarounds, food passion, and then building the biggest catering business in India for weddings, etc. Uh, so much in, in this interview. I really enjoyed it uh, and yeah, enjoy the conversation. We have the founder and managing director of Foodlink, Sanjay Vazirani. And uh, we're going to be talking about how Foodlink started in 2003 with the objective to drive excellence in the Indian food and beverage service industry. And within the last year, they've expanded to Dubai, which is why we're here. This, they've had astounding reviews from both industry and the general public. So we're going to talk about Foodlink. What is it? Also, we'll talk about the catering industry and market and what uh, Sanjay and his team have in store for the future. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for coming it's in, Sanjay. Fantastic. So, yeah, so uh, nice to meet you. And uh, tell us a little bit about your story. So back in 2003, you know, when we started Foodlink, it was, uh, you know, after I finished my hotel management school, I got into a management training program at a Holiday Inn Hotel there. And then I, after finishing the program, I joined a restaurant, a standalone restaurant as a restaurant manager. And uh, soon, you know, I got into, uh, you know, fixing sick units, the restaurants which were not doing well. I somehow landed up becoming an expert at reviving that. And at a point I was called a sick, uh, you know, restaurant doctor. <laughs> and uh, while I was fixing one of the sick restaurants in the central suburbs in Bombay called Chembur, uh, you know, the owner proposed to me that why don't you, you know, do this, take this restaurant on lease from me and run this restaurant. And that is where uh, the first business for us in uh, nearly 2003 started. Okay. Uh, after we, you know, took that restaurant, we revived it and started doing extremely well for us. And uh, uh, what we knew then was to do good food, good Indian and local, you know, Chinese cuisine very well. And uh, as I had graduated out of a hotel management school, all my batchmates had joined larger groups like the Hayat or the Taj or the Obrois. And when they would visit my restaurant, they would come and tell me that this is fantastic food. And why don't you bring it to, you know, south of Bombay, where the high net worth individuals and the spenders were. Mm. So that's where the thought of, you know, starting an outdoor catering unit came to my mind that if we have the good food, why not take it to people if I can't get them to the central suburb, which is which is very far off the south Bombay where the, uh, where the target audience was. And, uh, you know, we got some opportunities to do small caterings. And we took this food there and we got instant, uh, you know, recognition wow. uh, as, as a small catering company. And that is where the inception of Foodlink happened. Amazing. Brilliant story. I, I love it. And well told. I love it from the education point of view. And then the sort of organic 
growth you're learning inside the restaurant but but you weren't the chef you were more the operations person working with the food as well so i had joined the school of hotel management to be a chef actually and i trained to be a chef in during my majority of my management training program and because i could you know understand the nuances of the kitchen it made it little easy for me to do what i do till date uh unfortunately uh, you know once you start business then your core for which i wanted to you know i joined the hotel management school except for that i keep doing all the rest mm. you know it's about fundraising it's about managing people it's about yeah. managing the whole spectrum of business now yeah but i surely want to retire as a chef when i finish you know yeah. uh, this uh, growth of my company to a point glad we discussed that so you do have passion for foods you like foods you like Absolutely. indian foods Absolutely. I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh so the so can you talk a little bit more about before we get to Dubai what is the what is it like running a business uh in in India what is what's it like running an Indian restaurant in India is it competitive uh you know obviously everyone around the world knows Indian cuisine but what's it like there uh and is it the same as running a restaurant anywhere So you know ours is a metamorphosis of growth when we started business the dynamics was very different around nearing two decades back okay uh, we started with this you know sick unit which we revived we you know set up our catering outfit from that small kitchen we would do smaller parties uh, as as you know uh, things went on uh, we started to get opportunities with you know other uh, locations where we could operate a restaurant or where we could run uh in a club a location where you know we could get to do little outdoor catering uh the difference definitely india is a very unique and a peculiar ecosystem which is offered and it's highly competitive the indian food because in india everybody knows and understand deeply the indian food mm. uh, but uh, you know at a point subconsciously we we developed a differentiator we created a differentiator with the way we run our food service mm. uh wedding catering uh, is a huge thing in india and it's a tremendously a big market 50 billion market while we speak is only the wedding business in india which currency indian indian uh, rupees yeah. uh, maybe and uh, uh, it's not only india but it it is affected or it's you know uh, intending to affect the economies of lot of other countries whether it's europe or whether it's uae uh, far east is also you know one of the locations where uh, because when a when a indian wedding goes out it 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 big touches chance, upon yeah. the tourism you know um, the hotel business gets in uh, local taxis get engaged i know of some recent huge weddings we did at lake como in italy hmm. and 600 top indian business or high net worth people went there so the branded stores like the louis vuitton and you know the others were running out of the goods because you know there's yeah. a huge shopping spree and there's a big you know spurt in the yeah. economical situation for for those 3 4 days uh, yeah. when we went there so uh, i think uh, uh, back in india uh, opportunities it's a huge country lot of marriageable people uh, becoming more and more marriageable as you know it's a young young population 
so we were, we were very well poised to do what we're doing back in India. Okay. And just a little bit more about, uh, I like that analogy about the, the restaurant sick doctor turning around because people can understand outside that analogy outside of the F&B industry, um, you know, turnaround people or cost cutters or things like that. Um, what was what were your learnings? Like, you know, people listening in Dubai might think that they might know restaurants that didn't take off in the way that they wanted to. Are, uh, what's your uh, approach to, uh, you know, providing medicine to these sick restaurants? <laughs> so this was back then, you know, I think uh, uh, most of the businesses which scale or which become big, we wouldn't be able to articulate it then when I used to do it uh, specifically this this uh, work for my living. Uh, basics, you know, sticking to the basics, the good food, the good service and the good ambience. If you get this right, there's very rarely a restaurant can fail, which a lot of, you know, big investors and top quality entrepreneurs who want to be in F&B space do not get mm. it right. So every time we, we got a restaurant which wasn't working either in numbers or the guest satisfaction or the staff, you know, satisfaction index used to be very low. We would just go and set the food right, set the service right and get the ambience right. Love it. Yeah. One, so, two, three. Yeah, one, you two, make two, it sound simple. simple. <laughs> <laughs> but it is true. It, you know, it, it is true. And I think people can relate in other industries as well. Like, the, and I like how you said the ambience as well, because that's the culture. And, you know, you can have an... You can have a robotic-like perfect service, but it might feel soulless. Whereas if you don't have the, the flair of the ambience with the customers will feel that the staff aren't really passionate about this as well. Um, so you, you studied hotel management and when you were telling the story, I thought, okay, now's the time he's going to go and work with Hyatt or Oberoi or whatever. But instead, you went into the catering to provide for a different clientele. You didn't open a high-end restaurant outside the city and the suburbs. You did catering. Um, and I was interested that you did it from the same kitchen. How did it evolve from there? Did you pivot? And is, is Foodlink now only a catering business? So, you know, I had a reason to do what I did. Uh, back in the days, you know, we had a very limited beginning. We, we from a small town, had gone to a large city like Bombay, which we had never seen and joined the hotel management school. And we had very limited resources. So while I started my business, a sick unit, I could understand then that catering business is the only business where you don't need much of a working capital mm. because of the limited resources. That was the only business that could have given us a 50% advance when we close a deal with a guest. And we take that advance and we would hire you know, the CCG, the cutlery, crockery, glass, or whatever the peripheralia, you need to execute the event. Mm. And food we would cook from our this, and it started very small. And then we built upon it as we got more popularity and more people started recognizing us. Okay. So that was, I think, at the back of my mind, the core reason that without capital, only business we could do then okay. was the outdoor catering. It's fascinating. That's That seems like, an, again, a simple thing, but it's like you have a natural flair for business because that's such a capital and the upfront payment is so important for cash flow. Uh, and is that something you think you picked up during a hotel management uh, course? Like, is the education good for Indian cuisine and hotel management and for the service industry? 
I think like any other business, you know, education just gives you a basic orientation or a little awareness of what, what the trade is like. Mm. But eventually it's about the experience. It's about your, you know, day to day uh, dealing and interaction with the business, which, which makes you more prudent. Mm. Uh, you know, after around nearing eight, 17, 18 uh, years of experience, we came to Dubai around 11 months or back. And it was an experience with, you know, very limited resources again, because back in India, the machineries had come to a grinding halt. And that's when I said, okay, let me take a small trip. You know, we were under lockdown. I was sitting home all the time and there was no way we could even go outside the home. And obviously, my wife wasn't very happy, you know, me sitting and being very, you know, <laughs> edgy at home, not Agitated. having anything to do. So I just told her I'd take a seven day, you know, there was a permission we could take and come to Dubai. And that's how I came in last September, October here for a small trip. Yeah. And then I stayed with a friend of mine who was very kind to, you know, host me at his house at the meadows uh, here. And uh, that's the time when I said, oh, this city looks, you know, uh, alive and open. Uh, yeah. There was no much restriction. Uh, there were little restrictions, but not so many. And there were good opportunities and deals available to either acquire a restaurant location or to take a catering kitchen. Yeah. And that's the opportunity which we looked at and moved our, our you know, plan okay. in Dubai. So is that what you did? Did you acquire an existing, again, fixing something that wasn't working? Did you yes. acquire a, a, <laughs> yeah. you, you chose? So our first restaurant was in Bar Dubai, which was, you know, an existing restaurant. And we made a deal and we just did a little facelift and converted the kitchen, little equipment here and then and set up our a China Bistro brand, that's an Indian Chinese uh, brand we run. Yeah. So the first restaurant, yes, we did take here was a, was this restaurant which wasn't working for someone. Okay. Okay. Interesting about the Chinese foods. I'm going to segue back because you mentioned that at the start. Chinese food is popular in India as well. So after the, the number one cuisine that sells in India is Indian cuisine. And uh, second most favorite after the home food and the Indian food is the Indianized Chinese food. That's the second best seller okay. in, in entire India. Can you explain Indianized Chinese foods for the others? So, <laughs> you know, uh, the history of that food goes that, you know, uh, during, uh, uh, I mean, many years, uh, there were few Chinese families which got retained in India in Calcutta. Yeah. And uh, they formed something called a Chinatown there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, while they were, they were cooking originally, the original Chinese food, which is very bland and fairly you know, non, non-spicy, uh, the, in, slowly the influence of the Indian spiciness and tanginess came into that food. Ah. And that got, food got modified and started getting called the Indian Chinese. Ah, that's good so to know. So origin is from Calcutta and slowly those chefs, you know, came to other parts of India and they, they were Chinese restaurants which started. Ah. And okay. we perfected that. We went back to Calcutta. We did our research. And then we set up our China Bistro food, which is Indianized Chinese food. Very good. Glad I asked. So, so, but are you more into the brands and the Chinese Bistro food? And do you have an Indian brand or is it the catering? And have you done catering yet in Dubai? So, you know, as our, our story went from one restaurant, then we went into, you know, catering and catering became a larger business because uh, it was more more about, you know, at a time, 600, 800,000 people. And slowly, as, as money started trickling in, we learned business a little more. We set up our small catering kitchen. And uh, back in India, we became wedding catering specialist. Mm. 
to the extent that uh, last three, four years pre-COVID, uh, the richest family in India, the Ambani family to the uh, super, you know, stars from the Bollywood, Ranveer, yeah. Deepika, most of these weddings we got to cater. Oh, Whether it was locally, 23 countries we have gone and executed uh, Indian wedding. So you said, yeah, like Como, so you've actually done the wedding remotely as well. Um, I have a question on that, but how big are the big Indian weddings? So back in India, uh, I think, you know, to have a number of 3,000 people attending a wedding or a 4,000 is a very common number. Yeah. It isn't very, you know, shocking. Well, European parts and even in Dubai, to have a two, 3,000 people is rare. Uh, back in India, uh, you know, as we grew, we were, we were Bombay specific because catering is a very territorial and a very personalized business. Because Indian wedding, everything can go wrong but the food. Yeah. And the prominence and the importance is so high that you have to be super, super focused on, you know, every delivery you do. As beginners, we, we got that right. We learned. And then we also, there's a huge religious dimension to certain communities who are very big spenders to the kind of food they do in a wedding. Mm. So, you know, a pre-wedding, there's a particular kind of food you could only do, certain restrictions. There's certain communities who don't use allowed to use onion, garlic and underground stuff. Certain communities have certain things on day. So gradually we mastered that. Okay. And hence we were then, you know, uh, comprehensively wedding catering experts okay. on the food of it. But you touched on things can go wrong. Uh, my mum has been in the in catering and food industry and has run restaurants, but she always tells me of a story of when she was in her early 20s and she was running a catering business in, in Dublin and I don't know what it was for, but she was getting to the venue and she was in a smallish car and she had seven or eight cakes in the back seat. <laughs> and she hit the back of a car at the traffic lights and all the cakes went everywhere in the car. So it's just, that's a kind of a, a scary story of what can go wrong in when you're delivering foods outside of a kitchen. Um, how do you kind of overcome those sort of things? So, you know, I think, as we grew, we, we started thinking and curating and customizing a lot. So while we speak, if there's an event of say 3000 people in, in uh, Bombay mm. at any of the large uh, locations, then now we have an infrastructure where we build a proper satellite kitchen. We okay. have mobile vans, which, you know, one has a laundry being uh, you know, there's an ironing facility yeah. and hanging of chef coats and waiters uniforms wow. and the serviettes and the tablecloths. Wow. There's another van which carries around 300 raw ingredients, maybe a rice, a pulse or a spice or a... There's another one which has a consumables in it, a tissue paper or a doily paper. So we virtually bring Amazing. the infrastructure to the ground to be 100% correct. And we also get little efficient with that. There are less wastages. And if there's a last minute, you know, if 2,000 people become 1,500, we don't have to run here and there and we are able to then, you know. That's fascinating. So that happened over one and a half decades. You know, it took us 10, 12, 15 years to arrive yeah. at that kind of a situation which we are in today. That's amazing. That's fascinating. Like, you know, we think of uh, to cater for that number of people might be a, in a big hotel or it might be a function or it might be a concert or something like that. But usually they would uh, have pop-up facilities like a concert. They would have pop-up at, at the event 
whereas you're actually coming in and out quicker than that and you're doing it yourself there's not a yeah so it's, i didn't even think of it like that it's fascinating so and it, how you explained it is very efficient and all the different parts that go in it's not just the food and that uh that uh, keeps the quality high absolutely amazing so uh so so is that the business that you also want to bring to dubai as well so dubai we have a very, now we have a very very clear cut uh, you know blueprint of what we want to do in dubai uh, what we did in dubai we realized uh, after doing the first outlet that there's a huge demand not only for the dine in but more for the delivery business so we've come up with something called a hybrid version of the restaurants now uh, the china bistro our chinese uh, indianized chinese food brand which has a humongous expect uh, acceptance here luckily for us uh, also has a high end cloud kitchen called art of dum okay now art of dum is a 300 year old uh, cooking technique of the indian cuisine which we have again perfected and we have you know dressed it up with very unique uh, you know a packing so art of them uh, uh, goes everywhere we do a china bistro now while we speak we have set up six restaurants in 10 months and a boutique catering kitchen from where we also deliver art of them food mm. it's it's a northwest frontier uh, menu and uh, that also is worked out very well for us wow. so the hybrid we are able to sweat the set and the same kitchen also does food production for us for smaller caterings at amritsil villa okay. or or maybe uh, so in the wedding side of business uh, as i said we have a clear blueprint we have the restaurant and the hybrid and the delivery business as one part we have the indian wedding because we are wedding catering specialist mm. and before i moved here uh, last pre covid 3 4 5 years we used to come and do uh, half a dozen weddings every year whether it was at a uh, waldorf astoria in russell kema or uh, amrits hills at uh, abu dhabi the yeah. amrits palace hotel yeah. uh, so uh, that takes a little different treatment hotel gives us the support when we do end in wedding yeah. they give us a extended kitchen or maybe some space in their kitchen we bring our culinary experts and uh, we cook the food we bring our raw material the specialty raw material which is not available in dubai so we are taking that uh, business model forward for the indian wedding here what okay. we have done is uh, we have tied up with a few hotels already and we have also catered uh, like so burj al arab recently we did a indian catering and we did 100% of our food in one of the banquet halls okay. versace plaza which is a very famous uh, hotel here has allowed us to remodel their banquet kitchen to the need of the indian food which they need to give to the indian weddings okay. so we we did a few weddings and we have a lot of weddings booked uh, in the next uh, you know 12 months uh, at uh, raffles we are doing a buyout uh, the most fascinating which i'm very excited about event which we are catering here in january is below the dubai iron we are doing yeah. a 800 people event wow uh, for a indian wedding it's a musical night Amazing. and we are doing pop up of some good our own restaurants and some likes of nobu and chipriani cool. and we are doing a fantastic event so uh, that would be because there's a nice area outside deck, there's a there. deck below yeah. below the dubai iron which is which, a stunning which backdrop yeah we're well, yeah. cool wedding lucky yeah. people <laughs> we're looking forward to it actually yeah. uh, so uh, you know uh, 
you uh, you know you described moving to Dubai about starting really small, but actually you've been in and out. This is one of the twenty something countries that you've done venues at. So I was going to ask, uh, has it come from word of mouth? Uh, are your clients sort of wealthy Indians who live in Dubai who want to have their weddings here, or is it more a case of that you kind of have to uh, generate marketing and spread word of mouth here to get the business? So catering is clearly word of mouth. If you deliver a fantastic wedding, the high net worth individual people will only recommend you when they trust you 110%. Mm. Maybe 150 if they have to recommend you to somebody. Yeah. So we get recommendations. Uh, uh, early days, you know, uh, pre-COVID, we have a local gentleman, Mr. Rizwan Sajan. Yeah. His son, Adil's wedding, we had catered. It was a case study, actually. We catered on a cruise liner. We had him on the show, yeah. <laughs> oh, did you? Okay. Yeah. So, Adil's wedding was unique. We, we have a lot of case studies over these two decades where we have been to the wedding catering businesses. So, Adil's wedding was at a Costa cruise, uh, which, you know, uh, it's, a, it's a Muslim family. Kebabs and curries and rotis are the bare minimum they would want at a good wedding. And 800 high net worth individuals locals and high net worth Indians were on that cruise mm. and uh, the cruise did there was no we were not allowed to use a coal or a flame directly because cruise restrictions on an Indian food you can't do without those two mm. so then we went back uh, my teams went to Barcelona where the cruise was parked and we went and checked the gadgetry and we checked the electrical installations in that cruise and we fabricated equipment which on electrical side could emulate or replicate the same flavors of kebabs and the curries and the rotis which we could do. Wow. And that was a three and a half day. It started from Barcelona, the event. It was filled with, you know, Dubai had a lot of Bollywood stars and, you know, good people. And three and a half days, it was more of a culinary journey which we could give them the experience wow. as much as it was about, you know, from Barcelona to Cannes, Cannes to yeah. you know, Marseille, Marseille to Savannah Port, Italy. The event ended after three and a half days. Wow. I think that's business development for the next 10 years with the clients that you had there. They <laughs> we have a lot of case that. studies like that, you know, because yeah. out of passion, we enjoy the more challenging, you know, assignments like these. Yeah. We have had stories, you know, in uh, St. Moritz in Switzerland. Uh, we were catering for 500 people and they were because highest a hotel could accommodate was 80 to 100 people. So we had to make a base kitchen outside and only place we could get was a frozen lake on which we had to make a kitchen. Wow. And we executed that <laughs> to perfection. <laughs> Hats off to my team, actually. They are brilliant. Yeah. And uh, uh, last day, event was to get over. Four hours before that, my executive chef and a couple of guys who were managing that kitchen sensed that, you know, this, this wouldn't last for long. And they started evacuating the kitchen. Yeah. And <laughs> by the time the last working table was lifted, the whole the ice, you know, fell ice fell through <laughs> and uh, you know it could have been our yeah. kitchen in the water then. No no one yeah. no one was harmed, no no food was lost. Yeah. The, the fishes didn't yeah. eat. Yeah. <laughs> the kitchen was moved. Had some fantastic and, case amazing. studies. What what sort of team do you have? Is is it on a project based you bring people in? And obviously at that level of cuisine, you need to almost compete with the high end restaurants for the for the executive chefs like how do you how do you recruit the talents and what sort of size team do you have so over the time we've realized that you know a food service company of our kind and caliber 
food is the hero whether you run a you know a richest man's son's wedding or you run a fast casual diners like our china bistro india bistro which we already have in dubai are food has to be the best so what i have gone back doing uh, we have you know a talent capital i call it the top 12 chefs of each genre say a japanese master chef or italian master chef or within indian the modern indian culinary expert i have a team of these guys back in bombay who are part of our organization mm. and they keep doing research and development and they figure out what's coming next what could be the next thing and hence we we have also with that virtue become curation experts mm. so if a high net worth individual guy never wants to repeat a menu never wants to repeat a style never wants to repeat a concept and we have become specialist of that by the virtue of the talent pool and talent capital we have back okay. there Are always kind of inventing new concepts and experimenting. Yeah, we have always stayed ahead of curve on the culinary side of mm. it, and hence Foodlink is what it is. So very humbly, I'm putting. You know, we we were very humble start 17 years back, and today we are the largest food and beverage company in India. While wow. we speak, that's amazing. Yeah, uh, congratulations. Thank what you. what sort of uh, how do you measure that? Are, are are you listed, or is it that by revenue, or is that by team size? So it's by the team size revenue, followed by the team size, followed by the number of locations we are present in. Yeah, the reach. That you uh, have, the right? catering business has been territorial because it's mom and pop shop. We are the first, uh, you know, company in India, uh, which has digitalized the business completely. We have very strong and robust backend integration. We have ERP in business. We have complete transparency across. You know, we use uh, softwares like the Salesforce, which you know is an international, uh, uh, you know, CRM software, software, which yeah, yeah it, it does CRM and does multiple things yeah. and enables us to run. uh restaurant uh catering business with lot of systems and processes mm. uh we have worked very hard on mass personalization because you know when we talk of uh, 2000 people high net worth individual and similarly you know we have a wedding going on in bombay and then in delhi then in you know five seven at a time so the personalization uh, luckily the leadership team at foodlink the dna and this huge imbibing of you know this personalization which has become the culture of the company yeah and that's helped us to be who we are today amazing it's interesting that covid sort of uh, was the trigger point for you coming to dubai but do you think that would have happened eventually when when you said 17 years it reminds me of We had someone who was involved with bringing five guys to the UAE, and the history of the five guys story was one burger shop for seventeen years, same number before they opened their second chain. So I always think of people when they're trying to expand too soon. Like there's so many things that can happen in those first two decades to get everything fine tuned, like you described. Um, but many, uh, man, there are many famous Indian restaurants in Dubai. There's many famous Indian chefs in Dubai. uh you must have been tempted to come sooner we always wanted to come to dubai i have been coming in and out we've been coming and doing weddings but india by itself is a huge consumption story yeah so the you know the mentors the advisors i have today always guided me that you should finish you know your one territory and go to the next and india was so large True. it took us a while yeah. and coincidentally we were about finishing and uh, the the fifth location in india of, of our presence and uh, covid came uh, we had to 
you know, Slow differ down. that yeah. a little. Uh, machinery was stopped. I came here and, uh, you know, we have set this up as one of our, you know, added, uh, you know, regional, regional yeah. yeah. And from here, we, we, as I said, uh, you know, would get affiliation with a lot of hotels. Also, what also worked in our favor is that back in India, still people are not very, they're fairly nervous about large celebrations. Mm. While Dubai Tourism Board and the government has demonstrated that, you know, it's safe. They are following the, the protocol. Yeah. Uh, you know, everything is in, in fine. They have, they have done such successful expo. Yeah. Uh, it's giving a lot of inspiration and confidence to a lot of Indian families to come and celebrate here. Yeah. And once they hear a two year old, two decade old company of India, uh, leading, you know, catering companies available here already as a region, it's good a regional us. office, it, it's very easy for us to attract. Okay. So nearly a dozen weddings we have already got in the last one and a half, two months. Mm. Once they have known that we've opened our central kitchen here, we are able to work in the hotel with a lot of ease. Earlier, we were mobilizing 150 people to execute a wedding here. Mm. Now we need to mobilize only 30, 40 specialists, mm. special butlers or particular specialists from, uh, you know, regional side mm. who we don't have as a capacity here. So it's, it's working out for us, you know, uh, India coupled with this is, yeah. is a good, good, good synergy balance. for us as business. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, Sanjay, what's the, we mentioned it's a competitive landscape in India, but what's your assessment of catering industry in the UAE? Do you need to be specialized? Uh, you know, obviously you're taking the Indian cuisine approach, but, uh, you know, there are very big weddings already happening in the UAE. There's local weddings, there's, uh, Gulf, uh, Diaspora expat weddings. There's lots of different things. Um, what's your assessment of the competition? Um, are, are, yeah, how, how, Many companies are there, how big they are, are there main players and things like that? So in Dubai, you know, it's, it's of course, we have thought of the verticals which we want to, you know, at what time uh, start focusing on. So uh, instinctively, the wedding catering, of course, comes naturally to us and we already set because hotel also does give a lot of support when we do a wedding. We don't need an infrastructure which is unreally big. So weddings in the hotel, uh, we also were able to, you know, uh, make a, the, the biggest, you know, rather the epitome of uh, catering here locally is the World Trade Center. Mm. So we already have been, you know, we have a restaurant within the World Trade Center, an Indian restaurant. And the moment we made that Indian restaurant there, we also have now got a tie up with the World Trade Center to the give catering. them the Indian catering side of it. Very smart. So even Expo, little bit of our catering food goes. Yeah. Uh, via the World Trade Center. Okay. So we have we've identified different pockets. We have verticalized our catering, uh, which is called Foodling Boutique, which is super specialization from say 50 to 150 people, which goes into the yeah. villa, villas, which goes into, you know, uh, other venues where yeah. it could happen. So we have modeled it in such a way that with a very small cap capability of kitchen, Utilizing the ability of the cloud, or the hybrid restaurants we have, we are able to do sizable caterings. Okay, here. fascinating. I like your approach as well about the synergies, especially having a restaurant there first, and then you can use that kitchen. Um, something that touched on earlier about the hotels, I would have assumed that the hotels do their own catering. Um, is is that not the case? They outsource it as well. So what I see coming, you know, if you if you go back five, seven, eight years. A lot of hotels were F&B specialists 
but they still needed a specialist like a Cipriani to come and have one outlet in the hotel to give it a little more, you yeah. know, robust feel on the uh, F&B space. They can have their uh, own brands. Like for example, can... yeah, Nobu is quite popular, you know, most lot of five-star hotels gets a Nobu coming in and they stabilize their F&B uh, division like that. What I see coming and with the emergence of the Indian weddings and more and more people in India getting marriageable, more exposure to the global trends in India, now people will need a catering company like us to be on their side, a hotel to be able to do good Indian weddings. Mm. Because the complexity of the food solution to a wedding is humongous. Mm. And hotels, how much ever they try, will never be able to understand or even if they want to get the expertise of that kind, mm. it is more sensible to work with someone like us because this is, uh, we have a plug and play. Mm. Hotels, if they create their infrastructure, they would use it for say 10 weddings in a year. For us, 10 hotels, we'll have 10 weddings. So mm. we have the capacity and it's it's matter of time that a, a, a group like a Marriott will call upon us and tell us that why don't we partner block and we they give us the first right of refusal when it comes to doing specific Indian wedding. Okay, so that type of commercial arrangement. Um, okay, fascinating. Moving on to a few different trends, uh, I, I know you said the company is very advanced digitally, uh, but what's your sort of view on the, on the digital trends in the food business? I, I know it's a broad question, but let's just take manufacturing, for example. Um, I was yesterday at the Future Investment Initiative in, in Riyadh, and I met a lot of companies around who are uh, you know, doing farming and different types of uh, food uh, production. There's a lot of trend around plant-based foods and things like that. What What are you seeing in the Indian cuisine around manufacturing, around foods and production? So to me, Indian food definitely has, you know, uh, traveled across the globe and has its own appeal and or, and requirement. Uh, uh, to Indian food will stay conservative, is my view. Uh, packaged food is going to be the next big thing in the Indian food. I think, you know, packaged food, either frozen or retort packed is going to be, I think, exponentially growing because of the okay. demand of Indian food globally. Yeah. Okay. And from from a point of view of where you get your uh, food from, where you, where you get your supplies from, do you, uh, you know, do you, do you have farms? Do you have arrangements with uh, dairy companies with, uh, like, how do you source what are your suppliers system and process like? What's your procurement around food like? So back in India, we are fairly evolved. We have direct arrangements with the farm. Uh, we have, you know, uh, direct arrangements with the English vegetable growing farms, which are, you know, 30, 20, 25 kilometers from our base kitchen. Okay. Uh, apart from that, uh, you know, uh, in Dubai, we are still kind of in a process of streamlining our procurement and our scale in India is very large yet we are a startup here 10 months old six restaurants That's catering different. but I think next year or so we would be quite evolved here yeah uh, currently we are sourcing all our specialty ingredients for us specialty ingredients would be the Indian spices herbs yeah. which you know have given the food the edge which we intend to give we are getting it from India currently yeah. Amazing. So I can't uh, not ask you personally about what's your favorite restaurants in Dubai? What's your favorite food? Yeah. 
my favorite food uh, after indian is japanese food so okay. i like the nobu the zuma the you know roka yeah those are my few favorite and I you go. think they're very good here and particularly in dubai they're, they're well known obviously i think they are well known and they are um, uh, over successful from the point of view from the origin where they come to what they yeah. had i think dubai has a huge uh, you know uh, consumption story on on the FNB today, you know, while we speak, even COVID times, it was not very easy to get tables at the restaurant, especially at sure. the DIFC and these other locations. Today, virtually, it's impossible with so many tourists come down. Mm. It's very hard to walk into a Zuma and get a place. Very Whichever sure. day of the week are you on. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, but, you know, some people do say that you can get some of the best Indian food in the UAE. Is that true? Or is there no place like home? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I think it's it's quite uh, quite competitive here. But the distinguishing uh, factor of good and very good food to regular Indian food is quite high. There's a lot of regular Indian food here. But good Indian food is is not not so commonly seen here. If you, had to, if you had to eat entertain someone or celebrate an anniversary or something in an Indian restaurant in Dubai, which one would you pick? India Bistro, a restaurant. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> Smart diplomatic answer. Yeah. <laughs> Sanjay, it's been a pleasure talking to you this morning. Uh, fascinating insight. Love the background. And yeah, we'll follow what you do in future. Such a good conversation with Sanjay. Uh, even though they're a very successful business, they also are a startup in Dubai as well, so we could learn so much uh, out of that. And a good insight into the, uh, you know, the F&B and catering industry as well. Uh, big thank you to Richie and Shahir who put this podcast and show together. I would remind you that you can, uh, if you're listening to this on an audio platform, please do subscribe or leave a comment. Um, any suggestions, welcome on different types of guests, different types of industry. And even if you know a founder, a CEO, or if you are one yourself and you would like to be interviewed on Dubai Works, uh, please do get in touch. Uh, also a reminder that we do have the Smashy apps available. They're the streaming platform apps and all the 141 episodes are on that platform. You can download an iOS and Android soon coming to smart TVs. Um, and there's a seven day free trial uh, and yeah, uh, please do subscribe and test Smashy out and let us know your feedback. See you next week.